The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC. Hello everyone, this is John Patchett and welcome to the football show from Hawkeye's Mike. This is our new Reporter's Notebook podcast featuring Steve Batterson, who looks back at the Hawks' home loss to Penn State and previews this week's Iowa-Michigan State game. And you'll hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game, Iowa's Kirk Ferentz and Michigan State's Mark D'Antonio. This Hawkeye's Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs, which include sports reporter Scott Docterman of LandOf10.com and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times plus our own Tyler Chumeland and Jack Bransgard. Game highlights are courtesy of ABC with announcers Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreet. We very much appreciate it and thank them. Hawkeye's mic programs are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes. And remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, building strong and safe in the Midwest for over 50 years. Iowa is 3-1 and 0-1 and in Big Ten play. It travels to East Lansing this Saturday afternoon to play Michigan State for the first time since the Hawkeyes lost to the Spartans 16-13 on the final drive in the 2015 Big Ten Championship game. Iowa's lone loss this season came at the hands of Penn State last weekend, 21-19 as time expired. The Hawkeyes have defeated Wyoming and North Texas at home, and Iowa State on the road. Michigan State has played all three of its games at Spartan Stadium, defeating Bowling Green and Western Michigan, and last Saturday losing to Notre Dame 38-18. This will be MSU's Big Ten opener. This may not be a must-win game for Iowa, but it's close to it for this early in the season if the Hawkeyes want to have a legitimate shot at the Big Ten West Division title. An 0-2 start in conference play would make that a pretty steep hill to climb. But it's also a big game for the Spartans, who are trying to get back on track in conference play after a miserable season last year. For as successful as he's been at MSU, head coach Mark D'Antonio is definitely feeling some heat as a result of both on and off the field issues in 2016. In fact, 11 scholarship players have left his program in the past year, including three as a result of criminal charges. After a 12-2 record in 2015, winning the Big Ten title game against Iowa and going to the college football playoffs, losing 38-zip to Alabama, the Spartans were just 3-9 and nine last year, for the most part looked bad doing it, and lost 9 of their last 10 games. Iowa has had considerable success in recent seasons when playing its first Big Ten road game. While the Hawkeyes are just 9-9 nine and nine overall under Ferentz in those contests, they have won 5 straight and only lost once, that was Penn State in 2011, since the 2009 season. Somewhat curiously, MSU has been the road opener for Iowa 
four times more than any other conference foe. Kirk Ferentz is in his 19th season as Iowa's head coach with a record of 138-93. and He is the dean of college football coaches. He is just five wins shy of tying Hayden Fry for most victories as the Hawkeyes head football coach. He has 82 conference wins in the Big Ten, which ties him for sixth all-time. His first conference win was over the then 25th-ranked Spartans in Iowa City on October 7, 2000. Both Ferentz and Fry now rank in the top seven in overall wins and Big Ten wins. The only other school that can say that? Michigan with Beauchamp Beckler and Lloyd Carr. Mark D'Antonio is in his 11th year as Michigan State's head coach, where his record is 92-43. D'Antonio is the third longest tenured coach in the Big Ten, with only Northwestern's Pat Fitzgerald between him and Ferentz. The Spartans have claimed three Big Ten championships in the last six years, 2011, 2013, 2015. These key questions come to mind. One, how will Iowa bounce back after the heartbreaking last second home loss to fourth-ranked Penn State. Two, what will Michigan State's mindset be after taking a shellacking at home last Saturday at the hands of Notre Dame? And three, both teams have been struggling to achieve consistency in their running games, which is usually their strengths. Which team will show more progress in that regard on Saturday? Iowa has a slight advantage all-time in this series, 23-21-2. Each team has 10 wins apiece with one tie in the games played in East Lansing. Ferentz is 7-7 overall versus Michigan State and and 4-4 coaching against Antonio. Although Michigan State has won three of the last four games in this series, and this is Iowa's first trip to East Lansing since 2012. Kickoff is set for 3.12 p.m. The game will be televised on Fox with announcers Aaron Goldsmith and Brady Quinn. As usual, it will be broadcast on the Hawkeye Radio Network with Gary Dolphin and Ed Podolak and will also be available on Satellite Radio, XM 957, and Sirius 195. This is the second game this season that Iowa will be playing on a natural grass field. There were no changes in the depth chart other than flip-flopping the fullbacks this week. Otherwise, the starters and back Backups are the same, as was the case going into the Penn State game. Ferentz did have two other significant comments regarding the roster. It appears that safety Brandon Snyder is on course to play yet this season following his ACL injury that he suffered in spring practice. And backup sophomore running back Tokes Akinrabati, who saw playing time as a true freshman last season, was likely going to be redshirted this year. But Kirk says the injury to backup running back James Butler has now left the that tentative decision subject to change depending on the Hawks' needs. And the current depth chart for Iowa has 20 players from the Hawkeyes' past two recruiting classes, including eight starters. Michigan State is also one of the younger teams in the country. 12 of its 22 projected starters are from its last two recruiting classes, and 36 are listed on its depth chart this week. Looking back at the loss to Penn State, the Prefence Defensive Player of the Week for the Hawkeyes, well, that was Josie Jewell, who played perhaps the game of his career, all things considered. 16 total tackles, 11 solos, 3 for loss, 1 pick, and a huge return. He was everywhere on the field and got there quickly, and there's a reason he's the Big Ten tackling leader at this point this year. Prefence hand sanitizer and surface protectant. Remember, the best defense is Prefence. The TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal Coach 
coach of the week last week? Well, that was an easy choice. Defensive coordinator Phil Parker for constructing the defense that nearly pulled off one of the big upsets of this young season. Other teams will likely try the same thing in an effort to contain Penn State's explosive offense going forward this year. Post game show is brought to you by... Christ, I can't find it. The hell with it. Can Iowa actually claim the lead? Stanley from the pocket, hit as he throws, goes to the end zone, touchdown, Easley! Nick Easley, the junior from Newton, Iowa, and suddenly, shockingly, Iowa has the lead. 54 total yards of offense, but the takeaway creates the opportunity, and that's Stanley's best throw tonight. Finally runs its first play in Penn State territory, that's a 21-yard touchdown. Let's hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game. First up, Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz, who was asked about getting more consistency in his running game and staying patient on offense. It's week to week. Everything, it's like football. I mean, things are week to week, and uh, you know, a big part of that's what your opponent's doing and uh, then the plays that you run. And certainly just our offense in general Saturday. You know, we struggled in the first half up until the last play. That was pretty good. And then second half is a whole different story. You know, we uh, came up with some offense and what have you. But, you know, typically it's game to game, situation by situation. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be working all season on making ourselves consistent, more consistent in all phases. You'd rather sustain drives any day. I mean, it's just uh, football's a lot more fun when you're clipping along five, six yards a, a pop. But, you know, that, that's not the nature of, you know, just it goes game by game. And uh, the two things you have to realize is that, first of all, it is going to be different every week typically. And sometimes it's different, you know, quarter to quarter, half to half. And that's part of football. And then the other thing is really what, what counts is how it turns out. Statistics are really important. You love to win time of possession, you know, yards per play, all those kinds of things. But it's all about finding a way to win. That That's the ultimate goal. You know, it's, it's easier if you can be consistent and sustained, but that's it's not always competition and the, uh, the opponent has a lot to do with that sometimes. Ferentz was asked about Akram Wadley's reputation as a runner and Nate Stanley just four starts into his career. If the Spartans defense will sell out to stop the run and try to force Stanley to succeed through the air. You could take that approach and, and kind of tie it in with the blitzes. Uh, you know, ironically, the, our, our last two touchdowns, I guess we only had two, right? Saturday, we're both off the blitz. So, you know, there's a little risk reward on all that stuff. And uh, pass that, that uh, Akram took and went the distance uh, that was on a blitz. And so, you know, if you're not careful, you know, he might just pop through there and, and get in open space. And that, that's a dangerous thing for a defense. And the run was a, you know, a run that popped away from the blitz also. So, you know, it puts a little stress on you. It's one thing about him. He's that kind of player. He can really stress, stress a, uh, a defense. So you got to kind of weigh and measure what you do, and uh, that, that's what every defensive coach does anyway. But but it's, that's that's why it's so good to have a guy like him who can who can hit a home run. That really gives you you know a little uh, different uh, sense of things. And you know, I mean, I'll, I'll say this about Nate: he hasn't played perfect. Obviously, nobody has. But uh, that throw he made right at the end of the half was pretty good. Yeah, he knew where he was going, and uh, he made a really good throw. And Nick made a good play on that. And same thing on, on the touchdown I just talked about to Akram. I mean, he knew what was going on and knew where to go. And yeah, so he's he's done a really uh, I think a really nice job for four games games into it. We're really pleased. Not that there's not a lot of room to go through, but think about going on the road a couple weeks ago and what he did and then playing in a, what I would call a marquee uh, environment, you know, and, and playing the way he did. You know, I just, you know, he'll continue to grow. Ferentz was asked about his 
his team's punting game and starter Colton Rastetter, who has struggled from time to time. You know, it's been hot and cold. Uh, some good and some bad. Overall, productivity's been pretty good. I'd like to see more consistency there for sure. And uh, when he hits them well, he really hits them well. His rugby punts have been good. And, uh, you know, placement's been pretty good for the most part. So I think we're, I think we're doing okay. But uh, it's like a lot of places on our team right now. We've got a lot of room for growth in a lot of areas with our football team. And Colton's a young guy. You know, he's played four games now, too. So it's something we're all counting on, and it's got to happen if we're going to have a good football team. You know, all the guys that haven't played a lot have got to keep they've, – they've got room to really, you know, uh, grow and improve dramatically, whereas the older guys, it's not going to be as dramatic typically or significant. But, but it's all got to go together, and if we're going to have a good team, that's, that's got to be part of it. Iowa has 20 players from its last two recruiting classes on the depth chart. Kirk talks about that. We really feel like we've done a pretty good job the last two years in particular. You know, the guys that are, are here right now uh, have really fit well. And, um, you, you know, you, you always – recruiting is such a projection. You know, so you always hope and think that you're doing the right thing. But you never know until you get them on campus. And they've really got to be here four to six months before you start to uh, get a feel if it was a good match, you know, that type of thing. And uh, then hopefully you see some growth as, as you go along. Uh, but if the match is good, typically you see the growth. So, you know, I think, I think we feel pretty good about the, the last two groups. And, you know, some guys are going a little faster than others. But uh, for the most part, we feel feel like the guys are on the right track. And you know, we, we do have a the bottom part of our roster is uh, pretty, I think, pretty strong right now. And Ferentz opines on players making political statements on the sidelines. In my opinion, I think, that, you know, enough's already been said about all this, quite frankly. It's just, um, you know, there's kind of two levels. I think, uh, and I read this this morning, that sports and politics are intertwined. I, I see the world a lot differently, I guess. I think that's the, the beauty of sports, quite frankly. And you go back to Saturday night, uh, a bunch of fans had a chance to come to Kinnick Stadium. And, and life's always full of challenges and things that you, maybe you don't agree with or what have you. But it's a chance just to kind of be unified. And whichever team you're cheering for, you know, hopefully you're into the game. And I think as athletes and coaches, that's, that to me is the beauty of it. You talk to people, former players, just about every one of them will, will mention, you know, what they miss is just that camaraderie, the uh, singleness of uh, purpose, uh, you know, that type of thing. And it's a really unique time in uh, in, in someone's life, you know, if you're a, a, an athlete. So to me, that's the beauty of it all. And my preference is that we keep politics uh, to, to our individual time. That's just how I look at it. Pertinent to our players, you know, we, we work with college-age students. So certainly we encourage them to grow and be curious and ask questions. I think that's healthy. To me, as long as you're alive, you should be doing that. But this is the one time where we put everything aside. We all dress alike. We act alike. And we're all, you know, trying to do the same thing. And then, you know, whatever they do on campus, I think it's great. As long as it's not illegal or immoral, I'm all for it. You know, and that, that's part of growing up. And again, that's part of life in general. You're always looking at things and your perspective certainly changes as you, as you get older. But, uh, you know, to me, that that's on the outside and sports ought to be about sports. That's how I kind of look at the world, I guess. And I always thought that was the beauty of sports, quite frankly. Next, we hear from Michigan State head coach Mark D'Antonio, who talks about playing Iowa at home in the Spartans' Big Ten opener. Big game, Big Ten opener. So excited about that opportunity. I think every year you have an opening football game, then you have the Big Ten opener as well. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll experience a great uh, – we've had great games versus Iowa, I think, in the past. Uh, really the last game, a uh, 2015 game in the championship game, which um, was exciting. Uh, when you look at Iowa, I think they've been a very consistent program over the years. Coach Ferentz has done an outstanding job. You know, he's the longest tenured coach in America right now. 
their personnel. Uh, when you look at them across the board, Nate Stanley is um, leading the Big Ten in passing. I think with Iowa, it's you get what you see. Um, what you've experienced in the past is genuinely going to be what you get. Fundamentally, very sound offensively and defensively special teams and um, be a challenge. D'Antonio was asked about his evolving offense and some changes being made in their schemes this year. Predicated on the success we have. You you know, when you put a fullback in there, you're going to pack the box to do things. If you're going to, whatever personnel grouping that, that you can be most successful at is, I think, where we tend to lean to. Uh, we've tried to become innovative in some of the things that we've done and cutting edge in some of the RPO type of things. I think that's noticeable. Um, so, you know, that usually tends to have a different personnel package. Uh, Colin Lucas has been our person, our fullback in there. We've used some tight ends in there. So... We've got it. We've got it all. Still, we just got to mix and match and decide what we want to do. D'Antonio was asked how big his team's win was over Iowa in the 2015 Big Ten Championship game. It was impressive, you know. And it, how big was it? It put us in the playoffs. Put us in the is one of the top four teams in the nation. Put us into the playoffs. Uh, so that was and it, it allowed us to become Big Ten championship. And that was a great football game, a great defensive football game, a great drive at the end of the game. LJ was impressive, true freshman, a little risky when he reached out there to reach a little farther that one time because the ball could have came out but it didn't and everybody celebrated sometimes it doesn't catch up to you till it catches up to you he's been a very good back he's been and he's been productive as well as the other guys have too uh, so uh, all three of those guys are good football players Madre London Gerald Holmes LJ Scott they're all good football players they're all great people and they all work hard and they come to work and practice and all I've ever asked our guys to do is compete and so you know you're not, not going to see me screaming on, on the sideline after a guy drops the ball just compete, and our guys are going to do that. But we've got to hang on to the ball. That's the nature of the game of football. Michigan State's quarterback has accounted for more than 30% of the team's rushing yardage through its first three games. D'Antonio was asked if he needs to get more production from his running backs to be successful. We need to. I think we need to. I think that's that's the sense of focus when you look at, did we run the ball effectively this this last week? You know, 52 of it was on that quarterback sneak that was well-designed, etc., and he took off. But... Um, Again, the game changed, so at halftime, you take that 52 out of there, you got about 50, but the game changed on us because of the turnovers. So 355 yards sounds good, but the game changed. But uh, I've said all along that we've got to get our tailbacks going, So, and we have to. McSorley doesn't see the pressure. Is hit as he throws, and it's intercepted. Josie Jewell has blockers. Barkley will finally wrestle him down, but Iowa with the takeaway. Number 43 seconds before halftime, they are set up. Chris by the backup Sam Brinks who gets to McSorley as he's trying to throw the football. The ball is thrown errant and there's Jewel, the big senior leader with the interception. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs> How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on. Up to 10 washings. Moisturizes. Alcohol-free. And safe for the kids. So go ahead. Touch anything and everything. Ew, a toilet. Prefins. Keep your hands germ-free all day. Time now for our Reporter's Notebook segment this week with Steve Batterson. You can read Steve's articles in the Quad City Times and online at qctimes.com. You can also follow Steve on Twitter at sbat79. Steve looks back at the Penn State game and previews this Saturday's Michigan State contest discussing Iowa's punch list for success in East Lansing. Steve, before we turn to Iowa's first Big Ten road game this season at Michigan State, let's take one look back 
back at what was really a pretty incredible game under the lights last Saturday night at Kinnick. The last second loss to Penn State. Iowa pulled ahead with a minute 42 to go and that was just barely enough time for Penn State to get the winning score. Yeah, a, a tough loss on a memorable evening at Kinnick. I mean, it was a terrific crowd, a terrific atmosphere. The only thing that didn't work out was the final score. Uh, you know, it was kind of a struggle for Iowa offensively much of the night and you know, they finally were able to kind of get a couple things going. It wasn't a lot, but it was enough to, to kind of hang around and, and, and really complement the, the effort of the defense that had been there all night long. And, you know, you just had a hunch that if, if Iowa could find a way to score late, that they might have a chance to, to kind of steal a win. And, and uh, you know, it certainly looked like that with a minute 42 left when, uh, you know, when Akram ended up in the end zone. But, uh, you know, second touchdown of the fourth quarter, but, uh, um, you know, Trace McSorley, uh, you know, proved to be the, the veteran leader that, that, you know, I think everybody knew he was, and and uh, certainly with the, you know, the plethora of, of weapons that he has at his disposal, whether it be Barkley or, or you know, really any any uh, Deshaun Hamilton, any of their their weapons, uh, you know, it, it became uh, very much a, you know, like a surgeon, very precision oriented. They marched down the field and were able to, to make a play on fourth down and, and, uh, and get out of there with a win. If Barkley continues to play anything remotely like this, he has to be the favorite to win the Heisman. And if the, he doesn't, there should be an investigation. I mean, he he did some phenomenal things out there. He's he's got such a, a quick first step, and 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 to to be not only the running back he is, but to be the receiver that he is and the return guy that he is. Yeah, the, and to do what he did on a national stage in in, in terms of of a game that was uh, you know prime time on a Saturday night, it certainly puts him near the front of the pack for the Heisman this year and and if he continues to perform at the level he has been it certainly would be deserved it's kind of hard to say this when they give up 579 yards of total offense to the opposing team and that team runs 99 offensive plays it was really a terrific performance by Iowa's defense it was a classic bend but no don't break obviously Phil Parker had schemed that to try to prevent the big play which was Penn State's bread and butter, really, so far this season. Yeah, I think they entered the game with something like 30 plays of, the, of 20 yards or more, uh, just an incredible number. And uh, for, for Iowa to be able to, to really change the dynamics of that game, it allowed them to hang around and, and be really terrific in the red zone. I thought Iowa did a nice job of, of when Penn State did get into inside the 20, they did a nice job of turning them back and, and really, uh, uh, you know, for the most part, keeping them off the board. Uh, they just needed one more play at some point during that game, not necessarily even the last one, but, you know, one more stop would have uh, would have made a huge difference in that ball game. Let's turn to this Saturday's game. As I said, it's the Big Ten road opener for the Hawkeyes. At Michigan State, a series that's been very close, a lot of close games since Ferentz and D'Antonio have matched up against each other. Mark D'Antonio, the Michigan State coach. It's hard to say that this is a must-win game for Iowa this early in the season, but it seems to me it's close. If they want to have a legitimate shot at the Big Ten West, you don't want to start 0-2. It's certainly a pivotal game, yeah. Um, I, I think that this is a, a game, given Iowa's schedule and the schedule of some other teams in the West, uh, You know, this is one that you probably need to win at this point. Uh, you know, I, Iowa does not have the luxury of, of a schedule that 
that uh, is uh, can be regarded as is a little on the easier side. They they have a lot of challenges still out there, and uh, you know this is one of those games. It's kind of a 50-50 game on paper. If you want to be in the conversation in November in the West, you have to find a way to win this football game. And you're right, 0-2 would not be a good start for a young football team, especially in its first Big Ten road test. It's also a big game, though, for Michigan State. They're trying to get back on track in conference play after what can only be called a miserable season last year. And for as successful as D'Antonio's been up there in East Lansing, he's he's obviously feeling some heat. He lost 11 scholarship players since that 2015 Big Ten championship game and some to criminal charges. And after that 12-2 and record in 15 and winning the Big Ten title game against Iowa. They were just 3-9 and nine last year, so it's important for them to try to get off on a good start, too, especially after the shellacking they took last week at home from Notre Dame. Yeah, you, you take a look at Michigan State, and, you know, they, they lost a lot of close games a year ago, uh, not not unlike Iowa when you think back to 2012. Uh, you know, I think it was just one of those years when nothing seemed to break right for them, and and uh, what, what happened then on the field was, you know, only multiplied by the issues that they had off the field during the off season. And, you know, he's trying to right the ship. Uh, they, they got off to a fairly solid start this season. And, and then they've had some issues uh, with, with turnovers. And, and really, that was the story of that Notre Dame game last week. They turned it over three times in the first half, led to 21 points. And it goes from being, a, you know, a close competitive football game into a, a a 28-7 problem for Michigan State at halftime. So it's one of those things that uh, it got away from them quickly. They've had turnover problems all year long. Their ability to kind of turn that around, not unlike Iowa's issues in, in, in game one with turnovers, uh, certainly the Hawkeyes have been able to kind of work through that. Uh, at some point, if Michigan State wants to have success, it's going to have to find a way to hold on to the football. Let's turn to the punch list for Iowa's offense to be successful against the Michigan State defense that under D'Antonio its hallmark has been stopping the run so I guess you would expect the Spartans to try to force Nate Stanley and and his group of receivers and running backs to see if they can beat them through the air and try to hold Wadley in check running and I wonder if you'll see a lot more blitzing for Michigan State that would normally be the case based on what they saw when they saw Penn State go against Iowa's offense last week. Yeah I I think Penn State laid a, a, a pretty good, uh, you know, formula for, for dealing with Iowa. And, you know, until Iowa proves it can deal with that, uh, you know, I would suspect that teams probably will skew a little more towards more blitzing than normal when they face the Hawkeyes. Uh, you know, some of that, uh, you know, is to be expected. I mean, you've got a first-year starting quarterback. You've got a fairly young group of receivers. You know, why not, one, challenge the quarterback with the blitz and, Two, why not challenge the quarterback's arm with uh, uh, with those young receivers until he can prove that he can beat you that way, you know? And, and so that translates into focus your energies on stopping the run. Penn State certainly loaded the box up last weekend against Iowa at times. Uh, it took away a lot of their inside and outside kind of zone plays. Uh, very frustrating start for the Hawkeyes. And, uh, you know, I, I think they can expect to see more of that from, from Michigan State. They're built a lot uh, similarly in, in, in some fashions. And certainly, uh, you know, it'll be a big physical Michigan State defense. That's how that defense has always been built. And, and that hasn't changed. Spartan 
Wisconsin's defense is among the Big Ten leaders in several categories. They're first in pass defense, interestingly enough, uh, second, third down defense, third, first down defense, and their fourth overall in total defense. On the other hand, Nate Stanley has, as we've talked about, already thrown 12 touchdown passes in his first four games. That's the most in the Big Ten, tied for sixth in the nation. And against Penn State, while they were slow to get anything going, in fact, got nothing going in the entire first half, he finished that game last Saturday night, completing his uh, 12 of his final 14 passes for 178 yards, two touchdowns. He had a couple of really great tosses. He never seemed to lose his cool. That's been a strength so far. His poise, given what he's had thrown at him, whether it be the turnovers in week one, uh, you know, the, the need to, to kind of rally in a, in a momentum-filled game, swinging back and forth at Iowa State to, to you know, simply just the, the challenge of dealing with the defense that plays at the level that, that Penn State does. You know, the, the kid is hung in there. And, uh, you know, to his credit, I think that's, uh, you know, that's something that the rest of the team is feeding off of as well, and it's giving Iowa a chance to compete every week. And, you know, that's, that's a good thing, obviously. Akram Wadley said this week that last Saturday night's game was his worst game as a Hawkeye and he was shut out really in the first half but in the second half he ended up having a terrific game a a great run for a touchdown a terrific catch and run pass for a touchdown he kept Iowa really in the game almost single-handedly in some respects in that second half and he leads the the Hawkeyes obviously in all-purpose yards he's second in the Big Ten sixth in the nation and he it's as hard as this is to believe I mean he he's such a spectacular runner so it's hard to say he quietly goes about his business but He needs just 128 rushing yards to pass Sean Green for 10th all-time in Iowa history. Yeah, he he just continues to produce. And, you know, he he was a little frustrated. And, you know, I think probably the entire offense was. uh, You know, 10 carries into that start the other night, he had zero yards. You know, he he was able to kind of keep at it, and Iowa kept at it. It was persistent with what they were trying to do, and eventually he was able to pop a couple of runs. And, you know, that's the patience that you need and have to have if you're going to be, uh, you know, dealing with the kind of run defenses that, that Iowa, you know, faced last weekend and, and will face again this week. Uh, Michigan State, statistically, is it maybe the best run defense uh, in the Big Ten, but when you look at what they've done, they've, they've been able to kind of uh, muck up the works for some folks. I mean, they, you know, they took a, a West Michigan team that had, that had, you know, run wild the week before against USC and, and held them to to uh, about 120 yards on the ground. Uh, uh, you know, last week, Notre Dame was able to, you know, to pile up a, uh, you know, a decent number of yards, 182, but that still was 150 yards less than what they were averaging. So they're, they're going to take some things away from Iowa, and, and I was going to have to be willing to, to kind of deal with that and, and just kind of fight through it and, and wait for opportunities. Uh, it's like Akram said on Tuesday, he, you know, once he found a crease, he was ready to run through it, and, and you know, he's going to have to look for those creases pretty hard again because it will be a challenge. Stanley's done a really nice job of spreading the wealth around in terms of throwing passes to different receivers out of the backfield, uh, tight ends, wide receivers. Nick Easley is now Iowa's leading receiver with 18 catches, 189 yards, 10.5 yards average per catch, three touchdowns. Is he kind of the new version of Matt Vandyberg in terms of your sort of go-to possession type receiver? I think there's a comfort level there from uh, from quarterback to receiver. I, I, I think that uh, 
Nate has a confidence that, uh, you know, if he's able to deliver the ball in the area where Nick's at, that he's going to go up and get it. We saw that on the touchdown catch the other day. You know, I, and that's something that, you know, every quarterback has. And, and uh, right now, Nick Easley is that guy for Iowa. Uh, the other number that kind of jumps off the page, too, when you're, you're looking at Iowa and receivers is, is what the two tight ends have accomplished in, in Noah Fant and, and, and T.J. Hawkinson. Between the two of them, they've caught 13 balls. Four of, four of them have gone for touchdowns. The other nine have all gone for first downs. So those guys are moving the chains, too, and they're, and they're quietly kind of having a, a very productive season uh, in terms of reception, in addition to what they're doing and providing from a blocking standpoint. Let's go back to the running backs a second. Before the Penn State game, Kirk said on multiple occasions that they were going to try to cut down on Wadley's workload. And in fact, in the game against North Texas, when neither Butler nor Wadley were available in the second half, you saw some really solid play, some uh, significant yardage gained by both redshirt freshman Torn Young and true freshman Ivory Kelly Martin. And he said you'd see that again in the Penn State game, and they barely saw the field on, on the offense. So do you expect to actually see those to get some touches this Saturday at Michigan State to try to help preserve Wadley's strength, if you will, for the entire contest? I would suspect so. Uh, <laughs> I, I think things last week just didn't work out to where they felt comfortable enough putting either one of those guys out there as a first-year ball carrier. And, and um, you know, the game was so close and so tight. And, and I think there was just, there's just a comfort level right now with Akram. And, you know, and Kirk kind of touched on this a couple weeks ago that, you know, one of the things that they've, they've got to be careful about is they don't want to get too comfortable with Akram. They need those other guys to kind of contribute at some point. And my guess is you'll see them contribute in some way this fashion. Uh, and, frankly, Iowa probably needs that. Uh, you know, certainly, uh, you know, there, there's a bye week coming in a couple of weeks, but you know, the, this is the time of the year where you, you want to keep those guys fresh now, so that they'll be fresh when when the games, uh, you know, really gain significance in late October and into November. After this break, Steve talks the punch list for Iowa's defense and special teams, plus some Big Ten, and he makes his prediction for the game. Lions crowd the line, but Wadley's got a crease. It takes just a minute and three plays to go 80 yards for a go-ahead touchdown. 35 yards by Wadley. He's watched Barkley shine on the other side. And finally, in the second half, Wadley's gotten free for a couple big plays. Two Iowa touchdown drives in the fourth quarter. This offense had been dormant, penned in all night. A monster night by that guy. And suddenly, Penn State down four. Are you or your local Iowa company looking for a new roof or sheet metal work? TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal specializes in low-slope commercial and industrial roofing and sheet metal. Building strong and safe in the Midwest for over 50 years, TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, located in Ely, Iowa, just south of Cedar Rapids, provides strong, expert customer service and the best quality fit for you, their customer. For a free estimate, give TNK a call at 319-848-4191 or toll free at 1-800-383-7663. You can 
can also visit their brand new website at tkroofing.com. TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, your home for all your low slope roofing systems. Give them a call today. Again, 319-848-4191 or toll free at 1-800-383-7663. All right, let's turn to the punch list for Iowa's defense against the Michigan State offense. The Spartans' offense kind of starts and runs on sophomore quarterback Brian Lewerke. He's an, a true dual-threat quarterback, which is different than what the Hawkeyes have seen in the past from the more of the pocket passers that D'Antonio has started. He's, he's obviously the leading passer for Michigan State. He's also the leading rusher. He has almost 30%, slightly more than that, of their total rushing yards for the season. He's a guy that, um, you know, much like Trace McSorley, uh, I was going to need to be aware of where he's at and, and do what they can to contain and, and keep him in the pocket because he certainly has shown the ability to get outside and, and make some things happen with his feet as well as his arm and and uh, you know he is the stir that kind of the straw that kind of stirs their, their drink at this point and uh, you know I think it's one of those things that uh, I'm not so sure that that's necessarily what they totally want but right now it's what's been productive for them. And Mark D'Antonio kind of touched on that a little bit this week during his news conference. And one of the things that he said was, you know, they don't necessarily want him to be, you know, more nearly a third of their running production. It's just kind of evolved that way. And some of that has been because of a lack of consistency that they've had with their running backs. Well, he's rushed for 206 yards. He's Got two rushing TDs. He's passed for 751 yards and six passing touchdowns. He's has thrown two picks. He's also the Big Ten's leader in total offense. He, he's he's uh, the real deal. He's also a sophomore, so I will better get used to seeing him. He's going to be around for a couple of years. And, uh, you know, he's surrounded by some pretty efficient backs that have had some trouble holding on to the football. And it, it's uh, it's added a little wrinkle to, uh, you know, to what is normally a, a very power-oriented Michigan State offense. Michigan State's got a couple of pretty solid receivers, especially Daryl Stewart. And then they've got a a really good running back, L.J. Scott, 6'1", 230 pounds. He's their top running back from the last season, and the last time the Hawkeyes saw him, he was plunging over the goal line for the winning score in the 2015 Big Ten Championship game. Yeah, one yard that just broke a lot of Hawkeye hearts after a, a, a drive that just wouldn't end, uh, you know, nine-plus minutes. And, and the kid's only a junior, so, I mean, that's, you know, he, he's got, uh, you know, some time left on his clock, too. But, you know, he is their second leading rusher. He's around, I think, 62 yards a game, some, something like that. And, you know, he, he's not alone. I mean, uh, Gerald Holmes is, is uh, a senior, uh, and, and Madre London is, is a junior. Uh, you know, those guys, they kind of, he's been rotating them a little bit. And, you know, the production hasn't really taken off at tailback the way that they would want. And one of the things I do think that, that Iowa's defense better be aware of this week is, you know, I, they're going to try to get that running game going uh, at some point they're going to need it and uh, uh, it hasn't been there to the level that they that they want or expect and and uh, you know I wouldn't be surprised to to see the ball uh, on the ground quite a bit this week and the Hawkeyes better be ready for that. Michigan State actually outgained Notre Dame last Saturday uh, but quite a bit over over 100 yards but as you mentioned before they had uh, three costly turnovers against the Irish and that's been an issue for them this 
season, focusing on Iowa's defense for a, a moment, I think you'd be hard pressed to find any linebacker who played a better game last week or maybe any time this season. And Josie Jewell played last Saturday night against the Nittany Lions. And he not only leads Iowa in tackles, he's the Big Ten leader right now. He, he played a terrific game. I mean, just from from the interception to the fumble recovery to breaking up a couple of passes, uh, you know, it, it, there were times where it, it seemed like he spent more time you know, in the backfield of Penn State and some of their backs. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a terrific matchup uh, with he and, and Barkley at, at times and, and, you know, just a high level of, of competition. And, you know, and it, was, it was good to see Josie receive a couple of national honors this week for his work because, you know, sometimes when, a, when an offensive guy is going off like Barkley did against Iowa, the, the defensive effort goes a little bit unnoticed. In this case, it was you, you couldn't help but notice Josie. Josie Jewell and what he brought to that uh, team on Saturday night. The recent history in this series has really been a lot about the linebacking core for each of these two teams, Iowa and Michigan State. And Iowa's three starting linebackers now have combined for 96 career starts. So they're going to be a key in this game. But you're beginning to see a a gelling, maybe if you want to call it that, in the defensive line for the Hawkeyes and and a nice rotation. Uh, They've got two players now who rank in the top 10 in the Big Ten in sacks, uh, Anthony Nelson, who's tied for third with three, and true freshman A.J. Epinesa, who's tied for sixth with 2.5, and I don't know how Iowa's going to keep him off the field. He, he certainly is, is uh, you know, looking for more playing time and certainly is uh, uh, doing things that certainly would point in that direction. You know, I, I think we saw one of the things last Saturday was when he was being used, you know, primarily in the, in the first three games, you know, he, he was maybe taking the field in third down situations, that type of thing. And uh, we saw him out there a few times on first down, uh, which uh, kind of hints that his role may be expanding a little bit. Coaches are seeing a little more consistency in his play, which is, uh, you know, which is leading to uh, greater opportunities within the structure of the whole defense. And, uh, you know, there's certainly, uh, there's been a level of production there that would merit some more playing time. And, uh, you know, as long as he continues to, you know, on that upward curve, I I think we're going to see more and more of AJ each week. He's uh, like in a beast mode against the tackles he's going up against, who so far have had a lot more experience than he has and are much bigger. But whether it's the right tackle or the left tackle last week or really in his play all season long, he just uses brute force to shove those people aside and put pressure on the quarterback. That's been his game. I mean, his reputation in high school was to do to, to be the same uh, type of player. And, and uh, you know, he, he's going out and playing the game the way he plays it. And uh, that's what made him a top 30 recruit nationally. And, and Iowa certainly is benefiting from that now. And, uh, and you're right. They've been able to kind of line him up on either side. And, you know, it's just providing Reese Morgan with some wonderful options across that front four to, to kind of mix and match and, and just to keep fresh legs and bodies out on that field. And, uh, you know that only helps. Uh, that only helps those three linebackers out. The more consistency Iowa has from its front four, or you know, which has been kind of a revolving eight with uh, Sam Brinks playing pretty well at an end spot, and you know Matt Nelson doing a decent job inside along with Lattimore and Budgeta. It's been kind of an interesting growth curve for those guys, and you know, as they kind of become a, a more of a cohesive unit, I, I think it helps the guys on the back end of the defense as well. Now, speaking of the back end, coming into the season, if it wasn't a concern 
concern. It was certainly a question mark. Youth and inexperience in Iowa's defensive backfield. But Joshua Jackson has really emerged doing a very nice job back there. He leads the Big Ten in passes defended and pass breakups. And he leads Iowa with two picks. He's fifth with 19 tackles. His two interceptions ties for the Big Ten lead. And then you saw the emergence in the when free safety Amani Herker actually got his first start last week. And he had a really good game, was a second-leading tackler. And safety's been an issue so far this season. Yeah, it has been. And, and, you know, Hooker may be part of the solution there. He certainly brings a great deal of athleticism to the position. You know, he, he was around the ball at the right times last week, had a really nice starting debut, and it, it really kind of built off of what we'd seen, you know, in, in glimpses of, of him, um, you know, prior in previous games and and what he contributed on special teams previously so you know he's one of those guys that's kind of settled in and you know and it sounds like within the next few weeks that you know the coaches may have another body to play with there as as Brandon Snyder gets closer to returning to the field so it's a nice problem to have when you have more bodies and healthy bodies and and you're able to kind of rotate things around and I think with this Iowa defense they've got a lot of options right now at a lot of positions and, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Let's take a quick look at the special teams. Place kicker Miguel Racinos for Iowa did have the one field goal blocked last week, but other than that, he's been really solid, including a lot of deep kickoffs. He's helped with limiting kickoff returns against Iowa so far this season and creating good field position. And Iowa's punter, Colton Rastetter, continues to be inconsistent. His best punts seem to be his rugby style punts where he gets most of his distance on rolls but a couple of his punts Iowa had mediocre if not awful field position most of that game last Saturday night against Penn State some of those bad field positions were the result of poor punts no doubt you know and and that's something that remains a work in progress Uh, obviously the coaches are at this point, most comfortable with with Rastatter, or or we would have seen Ryan Gersande on the field by now, because he certainly has had a few lemons along the way. And in prior years, that would have led to a quick hook. In this instance, it hasn't, uh, which I think uh, probably leads me to believe that at this point, they're they're most confident with with Radstadter. Um and perhaps uh, in the back of their mind too is is the possibility of a redshirt year for Gersande. But uh, you know, I, I think that uh, when, when you look at, at Iowa's punting game, it, it has created some field position issues. Uh, f- you know, fortunately for the Hawkeyes, it hasn't necessarily burnt them too many times yet, but you are playing with fire, and uh, uh, it, it's one of those things I think the hope is that that you know the game will become a little more consistent in terms of distance uh particularly with just his straight on punts but we, you know we saw you know a 31 yarder a 32 yarder last week and a lot of times that's going to come back to bite you and and uh, uh the Hawkeyes were pretty successful in in limiting the bites last week but uh, uh that's not always going to happen on the other hand the Spartans punter Jake Hartbarger averaged 49 yards per kick against the Irish and another week another good kick returner Daryl Stewart who we already talked about as a wide receiver is doing a really nice job and uh, and great stats in terms of his all-purpose yards and he had 79 yards in kick returns against Notre Dame yeah he's a good kick returner a good punt returner as well you know Michigan State 
uh, not unlike uh, you know what Iowa has tried to do in, in last year with Desmond King. They've they've tried to put uh, they haven't hesitated to put one of their better players out in that role, and uh, uh, it seems to be a job that Stewart is is very capable of handling. And it, you know it complements uh, the the flip side of that the uh, the punting game pretty well. Before we get your pick for this week, let's talk a little bit about the Big Ten. And as a footnote, it's a big footnote. The Saquon Barkley school record 300. 58 all-purpose yards against Iowa last week was also the 10th highest all-purpose yardage total in Big Ten history. That's really impressive. Last week you had uh, Michigan punching a few holes in Purdue's feel-good good bubble and, and they didn't seem to have that difficult a time at West Lafayette in spite of the visitors' locker room. And There are five conference games this weekend. A couple of them pretty interesting. Northwestern at Wisconsin that's a key game right off the bat in the Big Ten West Division. And then you have uh, potentially an interesting contest up in Minneapolis with the Gophers hosting Maryland. Yeah, absolutely. I know. I start with that Northwestern-Wisconsin matchup. And, you know, Wisconsin's defense has, has been terrific for the, through the first few weeks of the season, but it really hasn't been tested yet. And, uh, you know, the Wildcats have had a couple weeks to prepare. They had a bye last weekend. It'll be interesting to see how that one kind of materializes. And, you know, we're going to learn a lot about both of those teams. We're going to learn if, if Wisconsin is, is really as uh, you know, a top ten type team, or, or if, uh, you know, if Northwestern maybe uh, kind of laying in the weeds with plenty of experience. But, uh, obviously, they had the one clunker at, at Duke, I believe it was, a couple weeks back. That, you know, have they learned and built from that? So this has been a series that's been filled with fairly interesting games, and uh, Saturday's game certainly looks like it may be another one in, uh, of that ilk. And uh, you're right, Minnesota's three and zero at this point. Maryland is is two and one. Has been pretty consistent out of the out of the shoot, uh, you know, even even with a quarterback change forced by an injury. But, uh, you know, we'll learn about the Terps and the Golden Gophers who, who've been really effective at running the football. And, uh, you know, they had the weekend off last weekend, too. It gave P.J. Fleck a chance to hop on the helicopter and go recruiting in the, in the Twin Cities from one spot to another. But, uh, you know, it's back to football this week. And if the Gophers are going to be a legitimate threat in the West, and, you know, they benefit from a schedule not unlike Iowa a couple of years ago, where they're not necessarily going to be seeing some of the heavyweights in the east uh, uh, this is a game minnesota has to win all right back to iowa at michigan state your predictions yeah i think this is going to be another one in a long series of really ugly football games between these two teams uh, i think it's just the way they're built i think uh, you know it's like a you know it's like a car crash you know it's going to happen and, and you're just waiting to see uh, you know who emerges from the from the uh, the fender bender and you know i i think that it's uh, you know a situation where uh, uh, you take a look at, at uh, you know, the, the issues that Michigan State has been having. You know, they're going to be, uh, you know, get it, they're coming off a tough loss, getting ready for a game next week with Michigan. Uh, might be the perfect time for Iowa to uh, to show up in, in East Lansing. I'm going to go with the Hawkeyes this week. I'm going to take them uh, in a fairly low-scoring game. I'll probably be saying that a lot this season, but uh, I think I'm going to go with a 17-14 final. That is good news. That is good news. Penn State is going to avoid the upset <laughs> trap on the game's final play. What a game, first of all. Josie Jewell, Iowa, great effort. Trace McSorley, when the game was on the line, the last play shows he is a winner. And Jawan Johnson makes his first career touchdown reception a magical one to beat Iowa on the game's final play. Winner is right. <laughs> 
Just a reminder, you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawkeyes. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com, go to the news and events section, and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes. And you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, Medium, and Facebook. Our thanks again to ABC for the game highlights this week, and thanks as always to Steve Batterson. We hope you've enjoyed this program. All Hawkeyes Mike podcasts are available and can be subscribed to on iTunes, Overcast, and other podcasting apps. HawkeyesMike.com, podcasting original programming on Iowa athletics for 11 seasons. It's all Hawkeyes, all the time, on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.